Welcome to Vertical Church Online. Thank you for checking in with us as we wrap up our Seeds of Thanks series and take communion. Let's hear what Pastor Brian has to say. God has designed life to begin from a seed. From what is planted comes much fruit and much harvest. At this time of year, our hearts are turned to what we are thankful for. What we have received began somewhere as a seed, a gift, a word, a moment that changed us. Maybe this year, out of our thankfulness, we should plant some seeds. Maybe we should be the ones who give a gift, speaks a word of hope, or gives our time away, so that someone else could know the fruit of thankfulness. Maybe it's time that we became seeds. It's a beautiful time of year as our hearts are turned toward being thankful. If you look back over what God has done in this past year, the things He's provided, the experience He's has brought into your life, the lessons you have learned, and those you're still in the process of learning. For those, we are thankful. It's a season of the year we gather to remember as well. And we gather today to do what Jesus said, to eat and drink in remembrance, to be thankful for the incredibly precious gift that we have received As parents, we teach our children to be thankful. It's something they have to learn. It's not something they naturally do. So as parents, we enter the task of saying to our children when they are very young and as they continue to mature, on those moments when they receive a gift, we teach them. When you receive a gift... Pause. Don't just grab it. Look into the eyes of the person who's giving you the gift. And with sincerity, in other words, really mean it, say, thank you for this gift. That's what we teach our children. That's what we want them to know, and that's what we want them to do. Because there's nothing that breaks a parent's heart more than when their children receives a gift and they say, give me that. And they rush off without any expression of gratitude for the one who gave it to them. Being thankful puts the heart in overflow mode. It puts it into this perspective of being thankful for what has received and then expressing that back. Jesus said that those who would believe in him would be put into that condition of life. That those who receive from him would have life fill them up. That for where they had been dry, they would now know rivers of living water. Where they had known sorrow, they would now know joy. Where they had known conflict, they would know peace. Where they had only known guilt, they would know forgiveness. Jesus came 
to fill and satisfy our hearts. But he really came to do more than that. He didn't come to just top off our life. He didn't come to just give us a little bit more. He didn't come to just give us enough. He came so that our hearts would genuinely overflow, that there would be life that went from us. Epic proportions, Jesus said. Rivers of living water flowing from us. All because he came and we believed in him. We're at the end of our Seeds of Thanks series today, believe it or not. Short series, powerful truths we've learned about how God has designed life. How he's designed it to work in agriculture and how he's designed it to work in the spiritual culture as well. God has designed life so that real life is in the overflow. We've looked at fruit over the past several weeks. And we've said that when a fruit or vegetable, vine, plant, or tree is healthy, it produces fruit. It's what we know it by. We call an orange tree an orange tree because it produces fruit, orange. If something is wrong with the tree, it is unable to produce the fruit. If it is weak, sick, not receiving the nourishment or the water that it needs, it cannot produce the fruit. But a tree that is filled with life, it naturally overflows with fruit. And then God did something wise like God does. He put inside the fruit seed. The seed that would be necessary for multiplying life. If you want more oranges, then God has provided orange seed and it's inside the orange. The same is true for apples, grapes, lemons, whatever it might be, life is in the overflow. And it's fascinating that if you want to multiply apples, that the apple has to be broken, cut, and inside, deep with inside, are the seeds. They are there. They are what are designed to bring new life. An orange, to be multiplied, has to be broken. It has to be cut. It has to be pierced in order for what is inside to come out and be multiplied. If the seed does not come forth from the orange, then it cannot be multiplied. The seed simply abides alone inside the fruit, all by God's wise design. Are you struggling with me like I'm struggling here? Yeah. Inside is where the seeds exist. Inside is where the life is. 
God has designed fruit so that in order for the life to multiply, the fruit has to die. It must be broken. It must be crushed. God put into the physical creation pictures, beautiful pictures of how he has designed life and even pictures about himself. You see, when God wanted us to know him, he had an overflow. All that was in him, the wonder, the beauty, the creativity, the love, the holiness, the justice, the design of God would be that he would overflow to us. Jesus is the overflow of God. He is the expression of God to us. The scripture says, For God so loved, in other words, so desired to overflow the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is the overflow of God. Colossians tells us that in him, in Jesus, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All that is in the Father, Son, and Spirit has been put into the Son. He is the overflow of God. John writes for us and says that in him was life. And this life was the light of men. Inside Jesus is life, real life, not just physical life, but life, peace with God, hope, forgiveness, joy, love. 1 John 5 says, and this is the testimony that God has given us this life, this eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Jesus is the overflowing fruit of God. And Jesus came to be bruised. Just like fruit has to be broken, pierced, bruised, so that it can yield the seed and life multiply, Jesus came so that he would be bruised, pierced, and so that life could multiply from him. Mark 10 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew that his purpose and destiny was to be broken and to yield his life for us. Jesus came to be bruised. The Old Testament had prophesied about his coming and had foretold that he would be bruised. Listen to the words of Isaiah. And I want you to hear the words that describe the broken, the beating, the piercing that Jesus would experience. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. The words here, stricken, mean to lay your hands on for the purpose of hurting, to strike violently, and Jesus was. The word here for smitten is a word that means to beat relentlessly. The word for afflicted means to use force against. These all foretold what would happen to Jesus as he would go to the cross in our place. He would take what we deserved. He would be beaten for our sin, whereas we should have been the ones suffering the judgment and punishment for what we had done against God. Verse 5 continues and it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, he was broken. This word here for wounded, you will actually find in other parts of the Old Testament used in references to grapes being gathered from a vineyard. Jesus would come and be wounded, gathered, collected, crushed for our sake. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, in other words, the discipline, the correction, the judgment for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Stripes to be brought to the place of bruising because of the beating that happens. All of this because Jesus had come to be the fulfillment of the prophecies, to be the answer to the old covenant. It was as though the old covenant served as a question. It was as though the old covenant was filled with pictures and mysteries. And Jesus would come and be the answer, the fulfillment of all that was pictured. He came to bring a new way of life, a new covenant. We know from the old covenant that there were a system of laws and sacrifices put in place that God prescribed, that God said, if you want to have your guilt removed, then here is what you do. He gave them instructions for building a tabernacle, a place where the sacrifices were offered. He gave them descriptions and instructions for the priesthood, who should be chosen, how they were to dress, how they were to live their lives, from what tribe they would come from. He gave in the law a system for sacrifices. He defined what sin was, and he defined how that sin was to be atoned for. And it was through a system of sacrifices that the priest would enter in to this holy place and offer the blood of a lamb. There he would enter in to do what God had instructed that it might bring forgiveness and peace to the people. But the law defined it as a process that had to happen ongoingly. 
In other words, you had to keep up with your sins. You had to keep up with the amount of sacrifices to be offered. The priest had to keep in mind and prepare for and make sure they had a spotless lamb for the annual presentation and death of this lamb as his blood was poured out. You see, the old covenant was beautiful and rich, but it was also weak and temporary. They kept up with their sin. They kept up with their sacrifices. It was a continual consciousness. Can you imagine having to keep up with your sin at all times? How much you had sinned, what you had done wrong, what was required for payment, and the weight of carrying that guilt. And knowing that only periodically could it be removed. And that was if you had provided enough sacrifice, if you had provided enough to come to worship, if you had brought enough to atone for your sin, and then the priest would then take it, and you went away from that moment with a moment of resolve, a moment of peace, only to know you were going to have to come again. You were going to have to prepare again. You were going to have to keep up with the list again. The blood of lambs in the old covenant could never take away the sins of the people. They never could. They were just pictures for a time. But when Jesus steps on the scene, he knows why he has come, and those who knew the prophecies knew why he had come. It is why John the Baptist would see Jesus coming and say, Behold, look! It's the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. All oh, the answer was on the scene. The question had been asked. It had hung in the balance for so long. And here walks in Jesus to be the answer, the Lamb the one-time sacrifice. Jesus would come and open a new way. He would yield his life. He would be the sacrifice. And in this new covenant, this new arrangement, it would not be about the amount of sacrifices that someone offered. It wouldn't be about how much you brought. It wouldn't be about your sacrifices. It would all be about his sacrifice. It wouldn't be about ongoing sacrifices. It would be about a one-time sacrifice. There would be no more of the ongoing guilt, ongoing shame, ongoing reminders, ongoing sacrificial system, no more keeping up with the past, no more having to deal with the sacrifice. In fact, the new covenant is this. God says, this is the covenant from the book of Hebrews that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I'm going to do something new, God says. It had been written on tablets for men to fear, but I'm about to do something different. In this new covenant, I'm going to write it upon their hearts. In fact, it's going to be imprinted there, and they will desire to do 
the law. They will desire to do what's right. A new passion will awaken in them. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 12 of that chapter says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And in the most stunning move of a pen to me in the New Testament, God says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Amen. No more. This would be the new covenant. Things would be different in this era. It would not be like the old covenant. This would be a new covenant. The one who was the fruit of God would come. He would lay down his life. He would be crushed. He would be pierced. He would be broken. And the effect would be that all who believed in him, all who received from him, they would have something that had not existed before. They would have an overflow of their life. They would desire to seek God. They would relish this new forgiveness. They would walk in forgiveness and peace and freedom. And this would be their passion. They would have overflow unlocked in them. And this is the day in which we live today. Worship is different today than in the Old Covenant. Worship is different today because we worship from a place of it is finished. It is done. And we celebrate and we worship out of that. You and I don't worship in fear today. You and I don't worship out of guilt today. You and I don't worship with a nagging list of sins trailing behind us. You and I don't worship today thinking about what we are going to have to do to try to work off our sin because they have been forgiven and removed once and for all. It's a new day. It's a new covenant. We bring gratefulness to a new level today out of what we have received There's a peace in our heart because we have peace with God. There is complete rest and there is no more condemnation for our sin. Wow. A new covenant. Hmm. How do you respond to something that great? How do you begin to approach such an unbelievable gift Will you do it the same way you teach your children? You take time to pause. This is what we are doing today. We pause in the moment, staring at the gift that has been given to us. We look into the eyes of the one who is giving us the gift. We don't look away. We don't hide our face. We look right into the face of the one who has loved us and given us the ultimate gift. And with the deepest humility, deepest gratitude, you respond by saying, 
thank you. This is what we teach our children. This is what we have come to do today. The new covenant has been opened for us. The New Testament helps us know how to respond in this moment. The Apostle Paul wrote to New Testament believers who were experiencing this moment for some of the first times. He was helping them know how to respond in this moment. Some of them had come out of old covenant backgrounds. Some of them had come out of backgrounds where they were involved in idol worship, where the gods were angry, where they had to appease the gods. Some of them had never experienced this life before. And the New Testament writes about this new covenant, which, by the way, are synonymous terms. Testament, covenant. We live in the day of the new covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us how we receive. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said to his disciples, as he says to us through his word, you are about to receive a symbol, a powerfully rich symbol, bread, bread that has no leaven in it. There's a reason we don't have fluffy yeast rolls here this morning for communion. Yeast in the Old Testament was called leaven. It was what caused the bread to rise it's what makes Thanksgiving Day amazing. <laughs> but part of the Old Covenant, in remembering and even looking forward to what God would do in His Son, they were called to make bread without leaven, without yeast. In fact, they were to remove any, any amount of yeast or leaven that their home contained. It was to be purged. It was a picture of death, fermenting. It was to be removed from the bread. No fermentation in the bread. That's why this morning you're about to receive what will look to you what we call saltine crackers. It is unleavened bread. Bread that has no death in it. Life. It's bread that has been pierced, you'll notice. It's bread that has been through the fire, you'll also notice. This is what Jesus said you are to take and eat in remembrance of me. He said, because I was broken for you. Broken. The bread has already been broken for you when you come today. It speaks of what Jesus has done for us. He was broken 
because of our sin. I'm so grateful that we come today in remembrance, looking back. We're not coming today to take this bread and drink this juice to somehow reach better status with God. We are coming today in remembrance that we have received a status with God. Amen? Amen. This bread has been broken already. It has been pierced already. It has been through the fire already. So that you and I might understand the depth of forgiveness we have received. It must break God's heart that you and I would think for some reason that we have to continually beat ourselves up over our sin. That we have to keep reminding ourselves of our past, keep feeling bad about what we've done, keep living in the guilt and the shame and the fear, keep living in trying to somehow pay off, keep living in somehow trying to be religious enough. All of those things must break God's heart because they are always of trying to crucify ourselves for our sin instead of accepting the one-time crucifixion of Jesus for our sin. That's right. That's right. We're not here today to try to somehow improve our status with God. We are here today because of what Jesus has done for us. He was bruised. He was pierced. He was broken so that your tape that you keep playing can be ejected and cast into the sea of forgetfulness. So that the names that you keep calling yourselves can be removed and you can call yourself child of God. So that whatever is in your past is washed and removed and you stand in the forgiveness of what has been done for you by Jesus himself. This is a holy moment we come to. And Jesus said, when you take, when you eat, know this is my body which is broken for you. But then Jesus said, after the bread, you're going to take the juice The bread had the fermentation removed from it. The juice had the fermentation removed from it. It was juice. The Bible uses the term wine. It was not fermented. It would not fit the type. It was juice with life in it, not death. And Jesus said, when you come, I want you to drink This will be the way you experience the new covenant. It's a beautiful picture in what he established, but I love the way Jesus says we're to experience it. He didn't say, come to this table and now perform for me. He didn't say, come to this table and now show me your list of righteousness. He didn't say, come to this table and now Replay every sin you've committed and show me what you're going to do about it. Instead, Jesus says, I want you to come to this table. I want you to take the juice, which is from the fruit. 
and I want you to drink it. Drinking. The only action you're doing when you're drinking is receiving into you. Receiving. This is a moment where we remember and we receive again. We remember what we have received and we drink in. There has been a lamb sacrificed once. There has been a lamb sacrificed for all. There has been a new covenant established. And we drink that today. It's a beautiful picture of faith. Drinking in, receiving grace by faith is how we experience life. The grapes, Jesus says the, the fruit of God. Jesus says the overflow of God was bruised, crushed, broken. His life ebbed from him. And what flowed from him paid the debt, his blood. And in the cup today, you and I drink the juice of the overflow of the fruit of God. Jesus establishes a new covenant, a new way of receiving his life. I love what he says next. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remembrance. It is finished. It is done. This is a time of rejoicing today. This is a time of deep gratitude and consideration of what has been done for us. This is not a time today to come and be sorrowful. This is not a time to come today and beat yourselves up for your sin. This is not a time today to replay the tapes of your past and leave feeling worse than when you came in today. It is the good news we have come to be excited about, not the bad news. Now, before we come this morning, I want to read what the Apostle Paul says because he gives us some very important instructions about before you come. And I want to be very clear about what these words mean to us. This new covenant is why we're here today, is the new covenant. And Paul says this, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have died. 
with some ominous words for what should be a joyous event. What in the world was Paul talking about? Was he saying that before you come up here, before you take this bread, before you take this juice, you had better make sure, you had better make sure you don't have any sin in your life. You'd better make sure you've got a long list of things you're going to do to pay off your debt. You'd better make sure you've got everything right before you come up here. Let me assure you this. That is not what the Apostle Paul was saying. We are not coming today to pay off our sins. We are coming today in remembrance of the fact that our sin has been paid for. Amen? So what you and I are about to experience is this. We are to examine ourselves. You are to search your heart. You are to take a moment to pray. And as you do, if a sin comes to your mind, then in that moment, receive the forgiveness of God for that sin. If God brings to your mind an area where you have not been walking in his ways, then immediately receive the blood that has been poured out for your sin. Jesus is not coming again to pay for sins. He did that once. When he comes a second time, he'll come to rule and reign. But right now... We stand in the era of the new covenant. So, when you pray, yes, examine your hearts. Don't be like those that the Apostle Paul talked about and said, some are not going to do that. And they're going to come and they're going to drink judgment to themselves. In other words, they're going to drink this cup and eat this bread and they're going to think about all their sin and all that they need to do to pay it off. And they'll miss the moment. And he says, because of that, many go away worse off than when they came in. They actually go away sick and weak because they are drinking more judgment to themselves instead of forgiveness. We drink today because peace has been made at the cross. We drink today because there was a one-time sacrifice of a lamb. We drink today because we have been given the life of God. He poured out for us, and now his seed is in us. When the fruit's broken, the seed leaves, and that seed has come into those who believe, and it's time now for us to overflow. Worship. Amen? Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to pray. The band is going to begin to sing and play quietly. You take some time. Examine your hearts, as the Scripture said. Receive the forgiveness that's yours. See what Jesus has done for you. And when you've had time, then you come. Come to one of these tables. The bread is here. The juice is here. Return to your seat. Eat and drink. Drink in worship. Eat in joy. And tell God, thank you. Let's pray together.
Our Father, this morning, we are overwhelmed again at the wonder of your wisdom, your might, the creation that all declares your glory, even a grape shouts forth the wonder of your sovereign wisdom and design. And so, Father, today we are grateful, overwhelmingly grateful, not even knowing what to do in response grateful at what you've done. You sent your Son to take our sin. You sent your Son to take what we deserved so that we might have what he deserved, life. And today we come to do what you said, to eat and to drink, to take in to our being what you have given to us. So we eat and drink in forgiveness today. We eat and drink in peace today. We eat and drink in love, purpose, passion, wholeness. We drink all that you have given. And we do this all today in the name of the one who is life and the fullness of you, our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow, what an awesome message from Pastor Brian about the spirit of thanks in which we ought to take communion. Check back in with us next week as we start our new series.